You've been seeing my daughter. That's what I've come in here to tell you. I won't have you coming near my daughter. You don't have to get hysterical about her. What do I care about your daughter? I'm sick of hearing about her. You won't have to hear about her anymore. Because you and my husband aren't going on seeing each other. That's rather up to Stephen, don't you think? Completely. So you better start making other plans, Miss Allen. Listen. I'm taking my marching orders from Stephen. He seems to be satisfied with this arrangement. So don't force any issues unless you want to cause plenty of trouble. You've made it impossible for me to do anything else. You're very confident, aren't you? Yes. Because I know Stephen couldn't love a girl like you. Well, if he couldn't, he's an awfully good actor. Look, what have you got to kick about? You've got everything that matters. You've got the name, the position, the money. My husband's love happens to mean more to me than those things. Oh, can the sob stuff, Mrs. Haynes. You noble wives and mothers bore the brains out of me. I'll bet you bore your husband, too. You are a hard one, aren't you? Oh, I can be soft on the right occasion. Look, what, what did you expect me to do? Burst into tears and beg you to forgive me? Isn't that what you really came in here for, Mrs. Haynes? Not after seeing you. You're even more typical than I dared hope. Well, honey, that goes double. Now, look, get this. I'd break up your snug little roost if I could, but I don't stand a chance. Oh, don't think it's because your husband isn't crazy about me. It's because he's the kind that lets that old-fashioned sentiment put the Indians on on him, and that's all. I'm glad you understand the strength of sentiment, Miss Allen, because its beauty is something you'll never know. This happens to be my room, Mrs. Haynes. It's yours, yes, for the time being, like everything else you've got. May I suggest if you're dressing to please Stephen? Not that one. He doesn't like such obvious effects. Thanks for the tip. But when anything I wear doesn't please Stephen, I take it off. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Good to be welcomed by Sylvester. Yes, indeed. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a hot, minute. It's been a hot minute. Yeah, since we listened to Sylvester. Their lovely tones. Ooh, everybody. What a week. What a week. <laughs> it's been quite the year this week. Uh, but, as always, my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the movies, movies that, that made us gay. gay. Thanks for coming back, everybody. Welcome to the show. Yes, so, indeed. this is sort of a last-minute episode. We threw this together within the past two days. We did not have this planned because I left this Friday blank on the schedule <laughs> because I was so anxious yes, about this crazy fucking election that I was a little cautious to put out new content, but I got in a better mood later in the week, and I uh, texted our good friend, Dennis. Dennis, welcome back to the show. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. And we sat down and watched the wonderful movie, The Women, from 1939, directed by George Cukor, who we were just talking about on the last episode. Yes, that's true. We did mention uh, George Cukor. Um, we almost got him confused with Minnelli. Vincent Minnelli. Vincent yes. Minnelli, yes, but indeed. we circled back to George. Yes, we're on a, we're on a run of some old, uh, old-timey classic movies. And Dennis, you brought this movie to us. Yeah, because it's really what it's again. It's you know, as a young gay, this was one of the movies that was shown to me um, by you know older gays mm-hmm. boyfriend that said you know oh you got to see this film. It's kind of you know it's within the 
you know, was in the list of films that you've got to see as a gay man. So, yeah. and it's one that I come to back to, you know, ever so often because it's such a hoot, as they say. So. <laughs> I have a confession, Dennis. Yeah. I had only seen the Dying English reboot or remake from 2008. <laughs> How sad is that? <laughs> um, you know, it has its place. Sure. We'll talk a little bit about it. It has its place. It's, you know, it it's... Yeah, exactly. We'll, talk about it. <laughs> well, I think the casting is really interesting in the remake, but we'll we'll get into yeah. that later. Mm-hmm. So I think this movie is so interesting for the time. You know, it was made in 1939, or it was released in 1939, and the big, you know, novelty, I guess, of this movie is that there are no men featured anywhere on screen. There's over a hundred women speaking roles in this movie. And is it and majority, yeah, the majority of them are at the very beginning in the spa day spa scenes. There's those, so many. Those that day spa those day spa scenes are insane. This insane. day spa is, is out of control. Yes. And I read that this is modeled off of the old Elizabeth Arden like beauty parlor in New York City. Right. That that makes sense, yeah. yeah. It's um it's it's like out of Oz. It's it insane. Like, it looks like like a crazy department store. It looks like something that you'd see out of a like in an old, you know, Hollywood movie, which is what it is, but it's just like what is this crazy? It's like this big atrium with like a staircase and balconies and chandelier all this. You think that craziness. they're going to walk by like the scarecrow getting restuffed <laughs> and like the right. tin man getting like shined? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I and, had uh, I, I had read that even down to like the animals, the pets in the movie, like they're all like female animals, like female dogs only, you know, so so that there are really no men in this. Yeah, absolutely none. Um, I was reading that, um, like they've they picked out very specific um, where there's a like a figurine of a little boy on a sure. nightstand, okay. things like that. Where that are the only references to men in the whole movie. That's which interesting. Is, I think that oh, there's uh, a photograph of Steven as a little boy, and that's yeah. supposed to, like, that's one of the references to, like, the visual references to men in the movie. That's yeah. one of them. Right. But I think if you go into this not really knowing that, it's not super conspicuous. You know, the phone calls that they have when they speak to their husbands on the phone or anything like that. It's not like, I mean, they are obviously going out of their way to leave men out of it. But I feel like if I hadn't known it, you would just kind of accept that this is what this movie is, right? Oh, fully, yeah. Yeah, they do. Because there's so many um, dichotomies to all the different characters. Mm -hmm. Some are more feminine, some are more masculine. So it really... Kind of lends itself to totally being, you know, you don't you don't feel like you're missing anything, right? Um, and I mean, there is uh, my favorite character who is sadly underused. I don't remember her name because there are so many characters in this movie. But the uh, the author, the authoress that was on her way to Africa to get her big like inspiration for her next novel, the right. spinster. You know, Right, old maid, and it's yeah. I believe her name is um, Nancy Blake. Mm-hmm. I am an old maid, an, a frozen asset. <laughs> right, and she kind of gets lost. She in does. The story. Yeah, she does. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I hadn't. I was not super duper like I hadn't watched this movie a bunch of times, but I feel like watching it now. Had you seen it before? I feel like I had made like seen like a trailer or something, but yeah, I feel like watching it. I liked it a lot. It moved along really easily. It wasn't like you know sometimes older movies the pacing you know we may have issues with like modern audiences or whatever. But I thought it was you know pretty um, pretty snappy and um, the dialogue was amazing and. The performances, while they are completely, you know, of the time, I feel like Joan Crawford's performance as Crystal Allen is like, there's so much to this character. Yeah. Oh, she's like the best thing in the whole film. Yeah. that Just that scene of her, her first scene in the like little break room at, what do they call it? It's not sax. They call it, it's Black's. Isn't it Black's department store, I think? believe it's black yeah and and she they even say in the that's movie, hilarious blacks fifth avenue i was like that is so like bugs bunny that they couldn't they didn't say Saks fifth avenue um her first scene where we get introduced to crystal allen in the in the you know break room of the fragrance department i love it like her with the other gals you know just like she gets the phone call from steven i'm uh, obsessed with the friend right the woman who keeps like mm-hmm. um Keeps needling her, kind of yeah. keeps elbowing her. And you know who plays that character in the remake? It's Anna Gasteyer. Right, and she's great in it. That's interesting. That's funny. That's the thing is that you can kind of roll your eyes at a lot of things in the remake, but I think some of the casting of it is really interesting. Yeah. And it's so um, – the casting is – I mean, as you said, there's over 100 women's speaking parts in this mm-hmm. film. And I love the different levels of class levels that you get with film of women. You have, you know, this group of high society women and then you have their, you know, their servants or their, their maids. Mm -hmm. You have the women that work at the, uh, at the day spa. You have the women that work at the, the clothing store, you know, the, the, you know, the, fashion mm-hmm. part of it. Oh yeah. And it's all so layered. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um I mean something that's very big that's glaring in this movie is just how rich these women are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's that and it's that yeah. 1930s movie screwball comedy type of rich where this is not how women probably dressed in the 30s, but this is how women dressed in the MGM movie. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's like, I don't, I mean, I don't want to get too, like, inside baseball or whatever. Like, I had a, you know, college professor, but I remember them saying that in these screwball comedies, these characters had to be independently wealthy so that they could just, at the drop of a hat, go to Reno. Go to Reno. <laughs> or, or, go to, or go to Bermuda. Bermuda. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Which yeah. is very much yeah. a throwaway, like, part of the movie. Like, oh, I just went to Bermuda to get away from it all with my we, mother. We just get the home movies. Right. And, um, yeah, it's it's the level of, of wealth. Yeah. That the, you know, Mary and little Mary riding their horses. <laughs> and there's just not a care. There's just, you know, they have nothing better to do. So I've, I have a question. Mary has a ring throughout this movie that appears to be on her 
wedding ring finger. That giant rock on her That hand. is like a size, the size of an iPhone. It's so big. Is How that, did I never notice that? Oh, it's it's gigantic. I was just like, is Go back that and supposed look for to it. be her wedding ring? It is seriously like the size of the palm of your hand. And I can't tell if it's supposed to be costume, but these women wouldn't wear costume. I did read in the IMDb trivia that they got that. I think that's just a, a big diamond and they got it on loan. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. If that's a diamond, I'm She like... fully has like the heart of the ocean on her finger. <laughs> it's that's, that is crazy. Now I'm looking at photos to see if I can see it. Yeah. It's like it's square cut or it's like a, like more like a rectangle shape. It's not like a circular, you know, like a wedding ring shape at all it, it because of the size. Fully looks like a ring pop. It does. <laughs> it looks like a ring pop. So, um, how familiar you, how familiar are you, Dennis, with Norma Shearer and um, who plays like the front the front of me, Rosalind Russell? Rosalind Russell, she's Rosalind so Russell. I, well, Rosalind Russell's so good in this movie. She's great. I mean, Rosalind Russell's great in pretty much everything she's done. Um, I definitely know more of Rosalind Russell sure. than Norma Shearer. Norma Shearer, um, look, you know, reading at looking at her IMDb, that she was mostly. A lot of silent film. Mm. Um, I found it, and, and then kind of, she's in within Hollywood royalty. Um, she was married to um, Thalberg. Oh, okay. And um, and has like sisters and brothers and things that were also within like the Hollywood industry. Okay. Um, I found it fascinating in my readings about Norma Shear that she wasn't cast in a lot of things because she's cross-eyed. Oh, my gosh. Oh, interesting. So they had to be <laughs> careful of how they shot her. Yeah. And that she lost roles because she was. they were like, no, she's cross-eyed. Wow. Um, and one of those roles was um, Scarlett O'Hara in oh. Gone with the Wind. Oh, 1939. Big year for Hollywood. Right? Um, and, of course, Rosalind Russell... Um, you know, mame or um, you know, anti mame, mm-hmm. not mame. That's <laughs> not even going there. Yeah. But anti mame, of course, and gypsy and things like that, and just a comedic powerhouse. That's so interesting. I totally forgot about you know, mame, the Lucy version because I really got a lot of Lucille Ball energy from this performance. Sure, it's almost oh, as totally. if Lucille Ball was taking notes. Yeah, from Rosalind. Yeah. Um. So we should probably just give like a like a synopsis of what, of what's going yes. on here. We've talked about like sure. the the general like um, almost novelty of the movie that is you know no men anywhere. And we should probably also say this is based on a play. It is based on the 1936 play mm-hmm. The Women by Claire Booth Luce and was adapted for the screen by Anita Luce and Jan Muffrin. Right. With some adjustments to make it past like past the production code too. Oh, okay. So, yeah, like we said, these women are ultra-rich. The main story is um, these characters that uh, are in, like, deeply in New York society because their comings and goings end up in newspapers. Yes. Right? Like, they're in gossip columns. Right. You know, anything... Which, you anything know, what the thing in those days. True, right? Society, you know, was like... I mean, there were movie stars and all of that, but there's still remnants of that and stuff like Page Six. But this is definitely from the time where it was probably mainly just New York socialites 
that they yes. wrote on. Yes. Right. Um, and Norma Shear, who we've been talking about, well, it's very interesting that she was passed over for Scarlett Little Hera because if, I mean, that was produced at the same year as this. And I think she just looks so much more uh, mature, if you will, than yeah. Vivian Lee. Who, yes. Vivian Lee, I, I can buy in this arc of Scarlet starting off as this young girl and, you know, going through the life. I feel like Norma Shearer... I think she fits the character of, an, like, one of the real housewives of <laughs> New York in 1939. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Um, she plays uh, Mrs. Stephen Haynes. I love how they're all, like, credited as Mrs. and then their husband's name. And then their first name is like in like in parenthetical, right? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it was really bonkers to me. Though, yeah, though. I mean, I think that's, that's just how they used to do it back then. I guess <laughs> I didn't really catch on to it until a couple of characters in, because one of them, the one that like has a bunch of kids, she was credited as Mrs. Phelps Potter, and then parenthetical Edith, and I was like, Phelps, that's that's an interesting name for, for a woman. And then when I went to the next one, I was like, Oh, Mrs. Phelps Potter. I get it. And then she's, Oh wow. That opening credit scene also with their little, um, with her little animal emojis. This, Love it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Each of them has their own little like spirit animal. Yes. And then the, like, who wants to get saddled with the, the one that's a cow? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so- so unfortunate. I don't remember a lot of them, but the I remember horse. Jones was a. Uh, it was like a jaguar or a leopard. Jones was like a yeah, like a a, a big cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just too that. funny. Yeah. So, Mrs. Stephen Haynes, Mary. They're like they're wildly wealthy. I think Rosalind Russell at one point references uh, Mr. Haynes as an engineer. What type of engineer? Who knows. Maybe he's in the new. I mean, I guess he's the new and emerging air, airplane industry. Design the Empire State <laughs> Building. I don't know. Yeah, right. But you know, he's rich enough that they they have a staff. They have full like servants, as far as I can see. You know, this apartment in New York, and she's got like her, you know, afternoon tea or lunch or whatever with the girls that are all coming over to her house. Um, but the crazy thing is that. The kind of like delight that some of the friends get when they find out that Mary's husband is in fact cheating on her. They're living for it. They're fully living for it. And they like <laughs> relish in it. Yes. And I mean it's all I mean, it's mostly probably not mostly, it's probably all, you know, the Rosalind Russell character Sylvia. Sylvia, yeah. yeah. Mrs. Fowler. Mrs. Mrs. Prowler. She's kind of the one that's spearheading all of this. She's like the main mean girl that's just like, you'll never guess what I heard. She's the Regina George of this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I do feel like her friendship with Mary is real, but also, I don't know, they're just so bored with their lives. And I think there's also that whole kind of concept of like, they're probably all jealous of each other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely they're going to be jealous of Mary because she's happy in her relationship. Mm-hmm. She's super rich. She's got a child. Yeah. And so that's a, you know, underlying um, jealousy there. 
yeah, for sure. Um, I have I have a little clip of um, of Sylvia talking to uh, the one with all the kids about. She's kind of first telling her what she, what she overheard from her manicurist at at the salon when she got her her jungle red. Edith, take a good grip on yourself. You're going to die. Stephen Haynes is stepping out on Mary. What? We're all apart from the man in love. Yes, but you've got a dog now, Jim. But Sylvia, darling, who told you? A manicurist. Well, go on. Well, this manicure, she's perfectly divine. She said to me, I know something about that awfully rich Mrs. Haynes. Oh! <laughs> but Sylvia, suppose Mary should hear about it. Wouldn't it be terrible? Wouldn't it be ghastly? But darling, we've got to face her at lunch today. Wouldn't it be too tragic? <sighs> Eating her food and knowing all about her husband. But now I'll burst until I get the details. But I've got to see that filthy doctor. <laughs> yes, you know, my regular checkup. Well, goodbye, darling. <laughs> the manicurist Olga. Oh, she's amazing. Oh, my God. I don't know. She's like tied for my favorite character of this movie. Yeah, she's pretty good. <laughs> I think it's really my- great. And they did a great um, casting for the remake. Um, of Debbie Mazar. Yes. I love that. Because, of course, <laughs> Debbie Mazar is going to be the nail girl that spills the <laughs> right. tea of the of the affair. <laughs> Jungle Red. Yeah, so when Edith hears about it, she's, like, so happy. She's just like, oh, man, fuck yeah, tell me more. <laughs> right. It's, like, it's awful. And the way she's saying, like... Oh, wouldn't it be terrible if she found out? Wouldn't it be awful if, if she knew? Like, she fully like, wants to tell her. Yeah, like, we have to tell her. Oh, and the little games that they play, like, <laughs> where they're sitting at lunch, and they're, yeah. like, they're literally needling each other of, like, dropping hints and just to, like, get it. They, yeah. These are really, really bored women because they are so, <laughs> like, this is their, yeah. this is their entertainment. Yes. Um, the, the writer character though, she seems to be kind she's wary. She's very wary of, of Sylvia, I think like from the, from the beginning, she's very much like this one, like you got to watch out for her. Yeah. She's kind of no nonsense, kind Mm -hmm. of like sees right through all, you know, all of her BS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the, um, Peggy, the younger character. Right, yeah. it's um, Joan Fontaine. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, I li- I like her character a lot. She's very like she's like flighty and she's young, and her whole thing is that she's just still super in love with her husband because they're newlyweds. So everybody's just like, ah, who cares what she has to say? She still loves her husband. <laughs> right, and <laughs> this movie has some of the most ridiculous overacting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we'll get to that later with Joan Fontaine when they get to Reno. <laughs> and it's just, wow. It's so her and then the the girl who plays Little Mary, which I love just to make yeah. fun of. <laughs> She's like, she just feels like a cousin to the bad seed. Uh, this, yeah, the scene where she's crying and it's just so over the top. Yeah. 
when she when she finds out that they're that her parents are getting a divorce and she just like calling out to them like in the di- like in the distance in her room <laughs> like the soliloquy she has like this full on soliloquy in the bathroom yeah and, and i feel like her this is a performance i think that her parents are just like you're the only kid in this movie you better fucking deliver yeah <laughs> right she was full on the little Jean Benet of her yeah. time. And it's just, I don't think that George just probably wanted to pull them back all that often. So he just sort of let them have free reign. Right. And, and, pro- it, and that's one of the things that's so appealing to me in this film is mm-hmm. because I love camp. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it has these super camp moments. Oh my God. Yeah. Where it doesn't, the storyline doesn't lead lead to that at all. So it's it's definitely a choice to make it over the top campy at times and and slapstick. I mean, you know, you have the scene where um Rosalind Russell and um Edith, the oh, other yeah. friend, the one with all the kids, mm-hmm. go to the go to kind of find out who, you know, who um Crystal Allen is and see who she is. Yeah. You know, and they have that great little spat with her, and there's, it's such an amazing scene. But it ends with them literally prat falling into like, a laundry cart. <laughs> yeah, and they're throwing themselves into this they cart. They're like oh, sure. launching they're, their bodies into it, like full up, like legs <laughs> over their heads. Yeah, yeah it's ridiculous, and, it's, and, and these are choices they made mm-hmm. to make it campy. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it's such an appeal to gay men because yes. it has that camp factor. Well, and yes. especially for the late thirties in Hollywood, like probably how refreshing would it be to be all of these women that they get to go to their jobs as actresses and have fun? Yeah, like they don't right. take themselves themselves too seriously. Like they can have fun, yeah. and probably that's something that they didn't get to do a lot. Yeah, in those days. Right. Exactly. Like it was definitely a man. It's definitely a man's world. Mm-hmm. So. For them to do an entire film all filled with women, be it over the top and fun and campy, and they get to really show their acting chops, yeah, was probably really refreshing for all of them. Yes, and uh, Rosalind Russell in particular has that. I think the when you think of these '30s screwball comedies and this like quick, 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 the quick, his girl quick, Friday, uh, yeah, super delivery. fast delivery, yep. you know. Um, she's kind of has that, like, she's got that in the bag. That's her, like, forte. And she has such ridiculous costume choices in this film, <gasps> she, she has some her, beautiful hats. I her little obs- fascinators. Obsessed with... Her hats are, inc- like, ridiculous. Sylvia Fowler's wardrobe in this movie, she does with, like, tulle and, like, a like a veil, like, is it tulle that just wrapped around her neck, just over her shoulders? She wears tulle like a scarf. It's everywhere. That one blouse that she has with eyes on it. Right. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> right? So crazy. It's so crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, Pilgrim hats. She, <laughs> she is fully walking the main stage of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. She's and with- snatching the trophy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like it's like it's a a, a design challenge. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's, like here's, <laughs> they're using all the stuff from the ninety nine cent store. Make a fascinator out of it. Exactly. You know. <laughs> yeah. Things that they do. You know. And a lot of it is most likely to do with with the designer, uh, the the wardrobe designer in this movie, 
Adrian. Adrian. <laughs> How gay is that? Just oh, costumes by Adrian. And I, I just remembered, like, just remember this, that probably in, like, the mid-2000s, mm-hmm. like, early 2000s, mm-hmm. um, I went to a costume um, exhibition at LACMA of Adrian and the costumes from oh, the women. Fun. Oh, wow. Wow. Am I wrong? Did Adrian design for The Wizard of Oz as well? Why he do did. I remember his name? He did? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, pretty much the fashion show is the Emerald City scene. <laughs> Fully, yeah. Like, they just carried over the costume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, when Mary has all of her friends over for lunch, they're kind of doing this... They're playing this game with her where they're talking about Stephen and how handsome he is and how, you know, he's pre- he's so busy with work and he actually calls on the phone and they say, oh, well, he's he's probably going to tell you that he can't make it to dinner tonight because he's so busy. You never know with that one. And Sylvia explicitly tells Mary, I got a new manicurist. You, you're going to love her. You got to get your nails done by Olga because so she does the best nails in town. That shady bitch. And that's so Bully shady. shady. It's so shady. <laughs> and this sets off everything. But I guess that's her way of telling her without telling her. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, you know, we get this amazing scene where she, you know, she goes to get her nails done by Olga. Who, I don't, you hear the name Olga and you, I don't know, you just think that she's going to be this like stern like russian woman but she's just like you know this brooklyn you know girl just like she's got the hot goss <laughs> she's got the goss man <laughs> and she starts, yeah, I, she starts spilling immediately the, min- the minute that she sits her ass down in that chair oh and and i love with her new york accent she's got that brooklyn mm-hmm. accent <laughs> and uh oh yeah she is my god what a uh blabber mouth yeah I mean, she just telling everybody's business <laughs> and she even, she even says like oh you know Stephen haynes and mary's like well yes i do she doesn't even have the chance to say like oh that's me or that's my husband she just keeps right. on blabbing and like spills the beans mary but i i love that mary gets up and is just like hi i'm mrs Stephen haynes and she's just like oh shit sorry <laughs> She full on like <laughs> has her oh shit moment. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, this kind of sets everything in motion. She kind of, the Olga tells her the name of of the woman. She says it's Crystal Allen. She's she works at at Black's Fifth Avenue. She's in the, at the fragrance counter. I love old timey department stores. Yeah, I love it. Do we talk about so they get to the the fragrance counter? Can we talk? Is it summer rain? Summer rain, yeah. And the bottle is ridiculous. That damn bottle. (laughs) He's just gonna. She's just gonna sell him summer rain. It's our signature fragrance. (laughs) The bottle is like crazy huge. Yeah. (laughs) Um. It's so that scene is funny when you know Sylvia and Edith are there and they're trying to pick her out and they find this one woman from the back and they're like oh that must be her it's a woman with like a nice figure and this like you know every woman at the time had like these crazy architectural hairdos so you know you see this woman from behind and like oh that's her and the woman turns around 
and she's just, you know, a, a little bit more homely than your average Hollywood starlet. And they fully are just like, oh, no, not her. It's definitely not that that troll. <laughs> yeah. Right. How awful. <laughs> this poor actress. You have to be the one that is obviously not. <laughs> the obviously right. not Joan. Okay, so this was a type that Joan Crawford had played was the shop girl, right? Yeah. But she had never quite leaned into playing the bitch quite yet in her career at this point, right? I don't think so. Not to this extent of her being such as, you know, as they give her the panther or whatever. Yeah. As her animal spirit at the beginning um, of being so kind of um, dubious, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and awful. She's so awful. Um, I love that there's the um, – we get a great little cameo from Butterfly McQueen yes, mm-hmm. as Lulu, the perfume <laughs> countermaid. Same, yeah. same year of Gone at the Wind. Yep. Yeah, and um, she's so awful. She's so rotten to her. Like, yeah. you're going to go and you're going to cook in my apartment and I'm going to give you $2 to do it. And Lulu had a date. Yeah, Aww, she's poor like, Lulu. No, you're going to cancel everything you're doing. <laughs> my date's more important than yours. <laughs> you're going to cook for my date. Yeah, and then Lulu's like, uh, she says something to the effect of like, you know, why do I have to like cook for you or whatever? And she's like, it's it can't be that hard. You just throw the lamb in the oven. And it's like, well, if it's not that hard, then do it yourself. Oh, yeah. And like Lulu's like, can can you give me $3 to do it? And yeah. She's like, no. Two. You're going to get two and you're going <laughs> to like it. It's like, wow. Here's the dough. Go buy some food. <laughs> I hope she gave when she did give her she hands her a wad of dough. I hope she gave her a little bit extra to at least buy some food because there's a funny line where she's just like, "Am I going to find anything in your ice box?" And like the the friend is like, "Just a bottle of gin." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she says, Joan Crawford says this line about like, you know, I'm having him over to my house and I'm going to make dinner. Lulu's going to make dinner. Um, but she's like, I'm having him over to my house. I'm going to give him dinner so he so he knows that I'm a home girl. But I mean, I'm assuming she means like like wife material. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But I love home girl. I'm like, oh, okay, home girl. Okay, home girl. <laughs> home girl Joan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that part is kind of rough where she is so like horrible to – to poor Lulu. But the dynamic she has back there with, you know, Pat, I think, is the other counter girl. Yeah, her name is Pat. Yeah. Who, Pat is beautiful. That actress is stunning. I was like, who's that? She's great. And yeah, this is when, you know, it's about to be closing time and Sylvia and Edith come in and they, they, try, they try to kind of like shake her down. Like, let's we're going to see who she is and what her deal is, you know. Yeah, and they're really like they're really sly with her. Mm-hmm. Not sly, but like they, they it's really great. It's so well written and so well the the delivery is really great in that yeah. scene. Yeah, I mean it's like straight up something that you would see on an episode of Sex in the City <laughs> with like yeah. Samantha and uh, Charlotte like going to spy on some yeah. guy that or like some girl that like Carrie yeah. has some beef with. Yeah. I think, though, what is interesting about how over-the-top a lot of their performances are and how overacted a lot of the things are, I feel like Joan's performance is very interesting because it's a little different than everybody else's. It's a little bit more natural. She's the only one who's not 
overacting or being sticky yeah, with, and her, she, with her performance. And she, she seems to understand the material, too. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, for sure. After this, we kind of, you know, Mary's resigning herself to the fact that this is happening. You know, her mother comes over. And has this, like, crazy conversation with her. She definitely doesn't handle her with kit gloves. She sits her <laughs> no. down and, like, this is just how women have to handle this. And what's the deal <laughs> with characters from movies in this era, normally older, rich women, all sound like they're from England? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> this they accent. all have this, mm-hmm. this accent in... You know, inflection in their voice that is just trips me out. Like I was like, did everyone sound? I guess they did at that yeah. point. You know, I think sound like that. Yeah, I think just actors, just the society accent. actors did this society. Yeah, I feel like people didn't talk like that. But like when you went to the movies, the people in the movies did. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, the the older ones in particular, though Mary's mother, right. Mary's mother's accent is crazy. Um, because Rosalind Russell, like goes in and out of it. She'll do a very received accent every now and then when she's trying to sound high and mighty, but then when she gets real, like, upset at somebody and starts screaming, she just has an American accent, you know? Right. The R's come back in, you know? Like Michelle Visage. No, that is how you talk. That's how you talk. Like she's talking to Laganja (laughs) on the main stage. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Listen, (laughs) Gon. That is how you talk. (laughs) This is, I do have a little bit of, of the mother just straight up telling Mary, well, you found out, so what's for lunch? Because <laughs> it happens to everybody. Right. <laughs> Let's listen to that. Listen, my dear, this story isn't new. It comes to most wives. Oh, but Stephen. Stephen is a man. He's been married 10 years. Oh, you mean he's tired of me? Stephen's tired of himself. Tired of feeling the same things in himself. Time comes when a man has got to feel something new, and he's got to feel young again just because he's growing old. Mother, Stephen isn't old. Of course not, but we women are so much more sensible. When we tire of ourselves, we change the way we do our hair or hire a new cook or or decorate the house. I suppose a man could do over his office, but he never thinks of anything so simple. No, dear, a man has only one escape from his old self, to see a different self in the mirror of some woman's eyes. Mother. This girl probably means no more to him than that new dress means to you. But mother. but mother, but mother, good heavens, he doesn't love the girl. If he did, you'd have felt it yourself long ago. You know, just just hire a new cook. Right? <laughs> kind of an interesting scene that you could almost, with some adjustments to the dialogue, you could almost see somebody's stern mother talking to their daughter now about yeah. an affair. Yeah. And you just mm-hmm. have to change yeah. some things about the dialogue but yeah and they did a really good they, they did that that scene really well in the remake with um candy bergen oh. as, uh, as I, meg ryan's mother i couldn't okay. remember if it was candy bergen or cloris leachman who does cloris leachman play cloris leachman plays the the maid or cook oh, okay oh okay see now i really liked the scene with the maid and the cook in this movie giving the backstory yes. because Mary's having a fight with Steven. Steven's home now because a lot of the time he's off in Canada, you mm-hmm. know, wherever, jet setting around, so he's not there. But now he's home 
and they're having their bang out fight like I want a divorce, but we can't see that because there's no men. So what we get is the downstairs, you know, the Downton Abbey bit with like, you know, the maid (laughs) is just like, well, this is what I heard. And she's recounting the whole thing to, you know, this other woman who I, I thought that was a very clever way of doing, of doing that scene. Oh yeah, totally. That's, it's such a great scene because again, you're seeing a different class Mm -hmm. or dichotomy of, of women. Mm -hmm. Um, here are the women that work for her, work for Mary and what they have to say about the whole situation. Yeah. And Um, I think just because of the time you're not, they're not going to address any issues of like, you know, working conditions and, you know, all of that. So, but you do get this sense that they're happy working there because Mary is just such this wonderful woman that, you know, mm-hmm. there's really nothing wrong with her. Like you said, she's happy in her marriage. She has a child who she loves, who loves her, who adores the dad, all that stuff. So this is kind of like the perfect situation. So if you're going to be a maid or a cook or whatever, you want to work for this family. Right, and I like that they um, they touch upon kind of the um, the economic uh, aspect of this divorce mm-hmm. to, for the for the maid and the cook of like, well, if they get divorced, are we going to be out of a job? I mean, I guess it's kind of it's not really off screen. It's kind of here where we where we find out that she ultimately just says she wants a divorce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When when does the fashion show scene? Come. It's it's before this because the fashion show yeah. is right when she confronts yes um, Crystal 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 because they're both at the fashion yeah. show yeah so I would we like talk about it I would like to talk about the fashion show <laughs> because <laughs> what gayer of a moment that you just stop this movie's plot dead in its tracks and just have a fashion show and. We have Why not? To, we have to point out, if you're not familiar, if you haven't seen this movie, listeners, this movie is in black and white. Now, it is the same year as Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind, both Technicolor movies, but this was a novelty at the time. It's almost like a movie being in 3D. You know, not every movie was like that. So just because those two were, not every other one was. And this one was in black and white. And in the middle of the movie... Boom. This crazy, like, proscenium situation that's, like, and mm-hmm. painted audience members. I have it queued I up. Can't even I'm just de- going to play it. Yeah, I can't even describe, like, how crazy that is. Oh, my God. These tennis outfits. I love the woman at the beginning who's uh, introducing the fashion show. Mm-hmm. And she says something, to the, the, says something like, welcome to fashion land. <laughs> or something like that. And it's just great. Yeah. And it's not even I mean, there's not a runway. It's it's like a stage with with some steps that they walk down and they kind of walk into the crowd and walk off. The camera's pretty static. But what we were noticing when we were watching it is that, you know, being that this is you know, the end of the 30s going into the 40s, the fashion is very interesting because we hadn't yet had Christian Dior and like the new look. Yes. So the, the new silhouettes. So the the like formal wear is like kind of just crazy whatever. Like these dresses are just like there's like Grecian gowns. <laughs> and there's almost like antebellum. Yeah, I was going to say it's very plantation bell, style like a southern bell. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the weird like antebellum looks are crazy. You know, there's like um Oh my god, this not turbans, but like this fucking monkey. The monkey. Don't there's <laughs> there's a little like 
there's little monkeys in this fashion show. In a cage. In a cage. With a sign that says, don't feed the monkeys. Meanwhile, all the models are doing is feeding the monkeys. Just pelting these, these monkeys with food. <laughs> exactly. Um, an interesting thing about this fashion show is that there's little, there's little vignettes. The stage turns like America Sings. And on one side is one vignette and then another is a different one. And the vignettes are kind of like German expressionist because they're built at these crazy angles. So they fit yeah, on this it, tiny stage. Yeah. The perspective that? is all mm-hmm. there and it's, it's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. Their perspective is weird. So they're, they're, they're built at these crazy, like, yeah. Yeah. It opens with like a tennis yeah. <laughs> Vignettes. Okay, and so that's all I think of is like that that's where that was like a thing. Yeah. So we're at the Scarlet O'Hara picnic <laughs> dress. <laughs> this is a big hat. This yeah, yeah. this crazy hat. It's Look very, at that tree again, like of said. um <laughs> it's like uh doilies on the tree too. Yeah. And very Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. Emerald City. Yeah. Huge shoulder pads, huge crazy <laughs> shoulders. Yeah, and the print the prints are kind of fun too. The there's like an oversized plaid print on one of the plantation dresses that I thought was crazy. Um but the other thing is too is that in the universe of this movie, they're just going to this department store and I think this is just like this is just the summer sale. So this is just what happens when we have a new line come in. You just go you see the models, right. and then you sit in, in a salon, and the models come out wearing things, and you're just like, that, that I'll take that, I won't take that, whatever. Um, they did it in Vertigo. That's so interesting. Uh, Jim, um, Jimmy Stewart takes Kim Novak to a department store when he's like trying to turn her into you know, Carlotta. And they're sitting right. on the couch, and these women are coming in in the dresses, and he's like, that one. And she's like, I don't like that dress. <laughs> you know? um, All right. And here's also a gag in the fashion show. What? That it goes to the audience clapping, and these bitches w- get up, and they start walking the runway. Because oh, they're yeah. in the show. They turn the... <laughs> right? Yeah. One of the vignettes is now the from the back looking onto the... The audience. Look at that green hat. It's like a green turban hat, and it's like a terrarium on her head. Right, and that's it's the yes, it's clear. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, can see her hair underneath it, and all I could think of was like, what is it made of? Like, was plastics right a thing yet? Yeah, in thirty nine. What the hell? I like this red and white. It could dress. be like it could be like lucite or like right something that would be expensive. I don't know. That's know. where my brain went. Yeah. For the when I saw that. I was okay, like, so oh, this is one of my favorite dresses. It's the Grecian dress with the green uh shawl. Like wrap, yeah. Wrap with the gold mm-hmm. and the white, white. White with gold accents. Yeah. And this but this is also the part of the fashion show where the models are kind of just walking around and there's just like this African American woman handing them drinks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. There's like a. Yeah. It's just. Um, my grandmother was a model in the 40s and 50s in a department store, and she did. She actually it. did that type of modeling. I where love that. She would do it for, and then like in later years, there's a place in San Marino that you probably have passed and know the name of, <laughs> called Damon and Drapers. Okay. Yeah. Is it on Mission? 
Sun or that main downtown area of San Marino or yeah, it's like downtown San Marino. I don't know if it's still there, but Mm -hmm. she would model for them. I love that. And it's, yeah, it's just bonkers. Crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I would imagine too, at the time when you bought clothes, you would just get them altered to fit you or you would some, you know, your mother or your grandmother could just alter them to fit you too. So it was just like, and you would see it and be like, yeah, that that's it. Just get it in my size. And you wouldn't try it on at the store. And are all these off the rack? Are they custom? <laughs> like, do they have numerous like sizes of these? Yeah, I think I think this is more couture. I think se. I think so too because I don't think it's off the rack per se. Right, because when Mary's sitting down and she looks at the nightgown for two hundred and twenty-five dollars, and she's like, "I'll take it," and then Crystal comes in and goops her, sure, mm-hmm. and and takes it. The sales girl is like, "Oh, I'll go get it back for you." So that's implying that it's just the one. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then there's the, you know, when they finally get to, they're in the dressing rooms. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Mary's, you know, put into her dressing room, and then she has this black gown on. That is beautiful. <laughs> it is a beautiful gown. Yeah. But shop woman is like, oh, you, for- the, you we forgot the hat. Yeah. She brings in this hat. <laughs> there's the most ridiculous looking <laughs> bonnet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that fully a bonnet. The whole look. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, she's trying to upsell. That sales girl's like she's trying to make yeah. that commission. <laughs> but the hat doesn't have, come with the and dress. The woman, the the model who's going around, she's like, our new under our <laughs> new undergarment it zips up the back. No bone. No bone. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Just like women's undergarment, you would just have to walk around with a big bone. Just the keeping whale- the frame like an yeah. old whalebone in a corset. I mean, foundation garments at the time yeah. <laughs> had boning. Yeah, and there wasn't like synthetic material that could hold fabric up. Too. I mean, brasiers have no. have wires in them mm-hmm. now. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I use. Uh, I've made a couple corsets for costumes, and I use zip ties. Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're boning. Crafty one. Ooh. Crafty like that. Why buy boning when you can just go buy zip ties? Yeah. But anyway. Oh, man. It's being resourceful. Yeah. <laughs> but this is where this is where Mary decides to go in and confront uh, Crystal, which is the, the scene that we had from the top of the show. Crystal's not phased. No. Nothing. She's not afraid of her. <laughs> No, and, I, there, and it's a great scene because you definitely see the two viewpoints and dichotomy of like you have like the scorned wife mm-hmm. who's getting her gumption up to talk to her, mm-hmm. talk to this woman, and then you've got this brazen hussy, you know, hussy, <laughs> and she's fully like that. We played that clip at the beginning. She's like, "Well, you're you're the wife, like you're the society wife. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you jealous of me? You have everything, right?" I love that she's yeah. just like, well, what did you expect? Did you want me to like cry and apologize? <laughs> yeah, and I love the 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 line where she's like, oh, well, Stephen wouldn't like something so obvious <laughs> and affections, and she's like, well, if I if he doesn't like what I have on, I just take it off. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's so kind of crass and yeah. like 
<laughs> normal like that would be fighting words. Oh yeah, normally. for sure. Yeah, for sure. And Today. yeah, and then the great scene when you know they open the door and all the like all the sales girls are all you know. <laughs> Everyone is. They, it is the. I mean, it's the hat fight of the season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so. they all have their little opinions about it. Some of them are just like, I, I would just shut up. Some of them are like, good for her. Yeah, and some are like, I feel sorry for her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, and then there's that one line that the one girl in the in the foundation garment says. You know, I forgot what it is, but she's like, Well, what else do we have to offer, men? Somebody says something yeah, about like she does the very it's yeah. the very last line of that scene. Yeah. Somebody says something about you know I forget, but she's just like well about using your body or something like that, and she's just like well what else do we have to offer men? And you're just like oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> But so my question was, as we're watching this movie, I'm thinking, okay, you know, female driven movies are still in 2020 a hard sell, right? Right. You know, it's getting better than it was, but it's still a hard sell. But yeah, you know, and this is how many years later, 80 years later, where we're just like, well, there's too many women in this movie. Men aren't going to want to watch it. So my question is, you know, in the 40s women were going to the movies with their husbands probably are the men in the audience watching this just sitting there going, what the hell is that? What am I watching? I don't want to watch this, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like it's so geared towards women, but does it have enough appeal for the men, the husbands, you know, to be like, yeah, I love that movie. Or is it just like, no, I think, I think that's probably why they, um, pulled the fashion show from the release mm-hmm. originally is because they were like, men are not going to want to sit through a fashion show. Yeah. I mean, De- great men. Yes. Are gonna <laughs> I was going to say definitely why this movie didn't show up at the Academy Awards in 1940. I mean, 1940 was a pretty stacked year for movies. So best actress and supporting actress and picture was pretty competitive, but the women got nothing probably just because yeah. it was a bunch of men voting. Yeah, in those days, of course, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, well, I think it does have, you know, I guess, would you call that crossover appeal? But, um, yeah, it, I mean, me watching it, yeah, like, from a gay point of view, we're just like, this movie's great, it has everything. But, yeah, straight men are just like, I'm out. But how <laughs> cool and forward-thinking was yes. this director yes. knowing that, Women go to movies. Yeah. Like, women with their girlfriends mm-hmm. go to movies. Like, all of the gals mm-hmm. at, at the boarding house, they just want to go out on, like, a Friday <laughs> night, and they'll just go to the right. women at yeah. the Pandages. Yeah. Like, that's very forward-thinking of an audience. Yeah. Yeah. And I you think. have all, you know, you have your pick of every popular actress is in this film. You know, Norma Shearer, Joan Crawford, mm-hmm. Rosalind Russell, Paulette Goddard, Joan Fontaine. I mean, it's all, you know... There's appeal. I like there. to think that yeah. when they would exit the theater, they would be like, "Well, who are you? <laughs> uh, well, I'm like the I'm the Joan Fontaine. Yeah. I'm the I'm like the sassy Joan character." I like to think <laughs> that women did that. Oh, totally! Like they do with Sex and the City. Yeah, for sure. Or Golden Girls. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> um. So we have to talk a little bit about this whole like Reno quickie divorce. Situation. Oh, I have a lot to say about <laughs> this divorcee dude ranch. <laughs> Right? So they go to Reno 
to get this quickie divorce because everyone knows, especially from movies, when you want to get a quickie divorce, you just like hop on a plane to Reno. Well, was the thing not that like in in Reno in Nevada, just like with with marriage certificates, you didn't need to like prove a lot. You didn't like because they were saying, well, in New York, you have to like prove that you have to have some, some sort of a probable cause yeah. for divorce. But I think in Nevada, you could just go and just be like, I want a divorce, and then they'll just give it to you, and then you could take it back to your husband or wife or whatever. Yeah, it's like the quickie version. And, you know, and there was that for marriage, too. Because mm-hmm. I, if I remember, you know, thinking back to older films where people are like, we need it, we're going to go get a quickie marriage. Yeah. Um, I think when, like in our the, the last episode that we did with Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. when we did that Sunset Boulevard episode, there's a reference to, you know, Betty and Artie going off to mm-hmm. New Mexico because he's shooting in New Mexico. Yeah. And that they can get a quickie marriage. Yes. So certain areas, you know, you got things done legally faster. Sure. So my question, what I didn't realize was that, you know, it was like, okay, we're going to take a train to Reno to get this divorce. And the train just gives you a little bit more opportunity to, we meet new characters. We meet the countess, meet the, the countess Flora and Miriam Aaron's Miriam. Right. Aaron's she's beautiful. I, I love her. Paula Gerard. Yes. She's just like this. No nonsense gal. She's just, you know, she's there to get her divorce. She's just like, whatever. She's not emotional about it. We, meanwhile, Mary's just like falling apart at the seams. Um, Peggy, Forget it. Is her name Peggy? Forget it. Yeah. She's Peggy, yeah. <laughs> Forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> She's lost it at yes. that point. <laughs> but She's what, a wreck. But what happens is they end up at this like lady dude ranch that they why do they have to stay there for a week? <laughs> but I love it's just this Airbnb for all of these divorcees that they'll just go mm-hmm. and check into this dude ranch, bring your bring like your country realness. Your country western your yeah. your country western look, because you'll need it. And I think and you, I think Lucy, like the head, like school marm at this, n- not even a school marm. I don't even know what her deal is, but Lucy, who runs the ranch. Oh my god, I can't. You could make a whole movie just involving this set piece. <laughs> oh, totally. And and the, I was just the, speaking of set set piece. This entire film is filmed on soundstage. Oh yeah. yeah. Which yeah. was a thing in those days. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't film on location. Mm-hmm. I'm a you sucker created, for... You know. I was going to go say, ahead. I'm a sucker for these type of sets. Like, these indoor... Oh, yeah. um, kind of whenever they go to, like, a, a log cabin or something. Like, in swing time or yeah. white Christmas. Yeah. Just, like, any rustic cabin that's been recreated on a soundstage. I think it looks so cool. Yeah. Especially at this you time could, in Hollywood. Right. With the painted backdrop. Mm-hmm. Of the you know in the background and you know all the fake planting and yeah it's just yeah the dude ranch and and Lucy <laughs> the kind of woman who runs the place is a you know a moonshine sw- sw- swigging <laughs> she's just like singing old like old you know like old like cowboy songs cowboy songs <laughs> so I love the Countess Flora. Um, she's like Erica Jane, or no, uh, Dorit on the Real Housewives when they went to 
Italy that she just oh, oh, is totally. decked out in just like this crazy traveling costume. But like she is, she very much wears like uh, like Disney parade versions of like of like Western <laughs> outfits because they're all spangled with and, some like, pearls. <laughs> And she has like the, Wonder Woman, uh, like gauntlets. Gauntlets, I love it. <laughs> yeah, the gauntlets on her and um, uh, Miriam, Miriam, yeah, um, Paula Goodard are just bonkers. And Paula Goodard and and in always in a hood. Yes, mm-hmm. that was like These her style. Outfits. That was her style choice. Was the hood, and I it was loved the hood it. with yeah. the bangs. <laughs> Yeah, I love. I loved. Yeah, an adult woman with bangs at that period was like a very specific choice, right? Is that like a vampy kind of a thing? I think it's a vampy kind yeah. of like. Pin she's up she's the bad thing. girl. Yeah, she was like that. She was the bad girl. She was the bad girl. She's a chorus girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's good see? in divorce. You know, <laughs> fast. She's you know fast talking and yeah, she's yeah. Paulette Goodart is amazing in this in this. Role. Yes, yes, for sure. And this is where we get the great bitch fight. I mean, one of the great cat fights <laughs> in movie histories, as far as I'm concerned. It's way over the top. Rosalind Russell's just screaming, like screeching. So wait a minute how did how did Rosalind Russell end up there? Her husband is cheating on her. Yes, with we come to find out with Miriam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so she's there to get a quickie divorce, mm-hmm. or, or her husband is um, uh, suing her, yeah, for mental distress. <laughs> which clearly, I, you, I can understand with yeah. this picture of <laughs> Sylvia. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Sylvia rides after they they've been there on their own now for a couple of weeks, and. Uh, you know, Sylvia comes up. But first, before Sylvia gets there, um, Peggy figures out a couple of things. Right? <laughs> Does Peggy... Fi- Peggy figures out she's pregnant first, right? Yes. Yeah. She finds out she's gone to the doctor mm-hmm. because I th- someone asks her, like, how was... I think it was... Uh, Miriam says, how was mm-hmm. your pregnant at the doctor? And she's... I mean, she is wringing her hands. <laughs> she is so distraught because she's now pregnant. Yeah. And she's there to get her divorce. But the whole time, she's just not sure about it. I mean, the interesting thing is that the, she's not as rich as the rest of her friends. No, right? but she's the one who has money in the relationship. Right. Because she yeah. keeps talking about her income. Right. But when she said income, I was like, so does she have a job? Or is this income is probably just like her trust fund, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there, it's a little it's unclear. Like, vague, Yeah, that part. Yeah. I'm like, what is she, like a stewardess? Where is she getting this income from? <laughs> um, but yeah, the husband doesn't make, an, doesn't make a lot. She references wanting to have a kid at the beginning of the movie and saying um, that they don't make enough money for her to have kids. Uh, but then she finds out whilst at the dude ranch that she is pregnant and um, they decide she decides to call off the divorce. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When she's like trying to give like the phone number and I love all the like phone number exchanges in this movie. El Dorado 575. New York. Right. <laughs> and she's, I mean, it's the acting is just so over the top to me. because She's so 
like the quiver in her voice and the oh <laughs> lord. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but, you know, she's she's the young one. She's the, you know, the waif, like this young, naive girl that's, like we said, she's like new to marriage and, and she's – and all the other women, I mean, except for except for Mary, Norma Shearer's character, kind of are like, eh, she's still in love with – they're still in love. Like, give them time. She'll get to where we are where you just fucking hate your Just husband. be a bitter old bitch. <laughs> right? Yeah. Rosalind Russell shows up, Sylvia. She talks about, you know, I, you know, it came out that he's having an affair with, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she gets a letter with like with a, a clipping with a news clipping in it that falls out. <laughs> and it's part of it's the it's this gossip column that we've been hearing about throughout the movie. And it's and it's her it's reveals that it's Miriam. Yeah. Who's <laughs> yes. the one who's going to be marrying Mr. Howard, Fa- yeah, Howard Fowler. Howard Fowler. She yanks her off this horse. Yanks her off this horse. <laughs> proceed to have this smackdown in the middle of the dude ranch. Yeah. Everybody gets involved. And it's funny because the countess who, to me, looks like, you know, actors of this time always look a little bit more uh, mature than their actual age. I think, you know, it's just because of that's, you know, that's how people looked back then. And the Countess, I always, or I looked at her and I thought, you know, she was just kind of like a more, you know, maybe like a senior citizen kind of lady. But when during this fight, she fully, like, sits on Rosalind Russell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rosalind Russell smacks her and she falls off onto the ground. And then later on, she, like, runs back into the distance and, like, hops a fence. Yeah. <laughs> Full on I was like, oh, okay, maybe she's not as old as I thought she was. That look on Rosalind Russell's face before she bites Miriam's leg <laughs> is so it's out of control. It's yeah, it's, it's the best thing ever. It's like Benny Hill acting. It's very like, mm, I've got an idea. It is. She like licks her lips and yeah. like it's just it's so slapstick. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> And at this point, for these characters at least, Sylvia is really mad at Mary, I guess, for not taking her side and just kind of decides not to be friends with her anymore. Yeah. Yeah. She mentions that they're cousins. Yeah. Yes. So they are family. Yeah. And I didn't know how real that was. If that's just like, oh, we're cousins because we've known each other since we're kids because some people do that. It's very much... very much a throwaway line, but it's there, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is there. Um, and then we just get a smash cut to, like, two years later, right? Yeah, it kind of just kind of jumps in in time frame. Well, not before uh, Miriam kind of has a heart-to-heart with Mary. After we, see, after we see Peggy reconcile with her husband, Miriam's kind of like, you're fully still in love with your husband. Like, I can tell. So maybe you should think about, you know, calling him and trying ripping to like, up, ripping up that, yeah, that divorce that paper divorce that you just got. You, yeah. And, um, there's kind of like a scene where she's just like, okay, you feel like she has a change of heart. Steven actually calls right at this moment, but not to get back together, but to actually say, oh, guess what? 
I'm marrying Crystal. I married. I married. I Crystal. married her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love these next scenes of Crystal as the evil stepmother. Oh my god. The bathroom. That bath. Okay, we have to discuss this fucking bathroom. So this vaulted ceiling in this bathroom, which it looks like there's fabric on the ceiling. Like they hung fabric on the ceiling of this bathroom. Oh yeah. This bathtub that is a glass coffin. It looks like a coffin. It's yeah. It's with cherubs and it looks like a boat Mm -hmm. and just joan crawford commanding the scene just in this tub filled with suds and like the whole there's like a back headboard like a bed that with that's like a quilted pillow this this glamorous bath pillow yeah these like satin pillows that all i could think of was like those are really water But she's just like, I'm taking this bath as all of these people just proceed to walk in and out. Yeah. Like, and you, could, you know, and the whole reason she's in there is because it's the way she has a private line. Mm-hmm. So that come to find out, you know. Yes. Her private line where she now it's two years later. She's been married to Stephen for two years. But we find out that. At some point, she has strayed and is now cheating on Stephen with – is his name Buck? Yeah. Yeah. With Buck, who the Countess is married to. So it's like all interwoven and, and tangled up. But, you know, all these people are coming in and out of this bathroom. Servants, Sylvia, Little Mary. But the biggest gag of how crazy this bathroom is is when she wants to get Sylvia out of the room. And she's like, I've got to take a shower. Pulls Plop. this cord. This cord in this, in this glamorous velvet shower curtain and comes the, down. The velvet shower curtain. Like it's a theater. Like it literally. Like she pulls the the theater curtain down, and it's it's bunched up like theater curtains used to be. Like oh, it, yeah. yeah, when you would go to the movies and the curtain would go up, it was exactly like that. I loved it. Um, I have a little bit of Little Mary. I love and, the scene, and Crystal. I love the scene with Little Mary and Crystal. I, I like Little Mary's delivery here. It's not so bad. It's not as bad. No, it's, as, yeah. it's, it's very... It's a little more know, reined in. Forward. You could tell that they yeah. got this maybe later in the <laughs> later in the production. Yeah, she had, time mm-hmm. to, she had time to grow up a little bit. Let's take a listen. You don't like me. Why? Well, good night, Crystal. I said why. Listen, Crystal. My mother told me I wasn't to be rude to you. Listen, young lady. You were going to give me one good reason why you don't like me. I never said I didn't like you. But you don't like me, do you? No, but I never said so. I've been very polite considering you're something awful. <laughs> Just wait till your father hears about this. Listen, Daddy doesn't think you're so wonderful anymore. Did he tell you that? No, Daddy always pretends you're all right. You see, you wouldn't know about such things, but my Daddy's a gentleman. He never talks against any woman, not even you. But we understand, Daddy and I, without ever saying a word to each other. I'll bet you've done plenty of blabbing to your mother. No, I haven't. It's my job to try and make mother feel cheerful. Go on, get out of here. Scram, on your way. And another thing. I think this bathroom is perfectly ridiculous. Good night, Crystal. Why, you... (laughs) Little Mary, I think that bathroom is amazing. (laughs) 
I love that little Mary kind of has her, her moment of like, um, I'm the only one who's holding this all together. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so listen. My dad hates you. You hate my dad. I'm not telling my mom jack crap. <laughs> like, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I like that right before that clip started, she says, like, you were instructed to call me Auntie Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> You're instructed to call me Mommy Dearest. <laughs> yeah, which she paused before she said Auntie Crystal, and I was like, <gasps> Mommy Dearest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those things that you can rag on Joan Crawford, but you kind of forget, or you have to be reminded of star, of star power like this. That yeah, when you look yeah. at her in this movie, also Mildred Pierce, she's mm. really, really, she's a yeah. really good actress. Oh, yeah. She's a phenomenal actress. And yeah, like I said, I think her delivery kind of stands out in this where it's a little bit more natural. I mean, for the time, you know, it's a little bit mm-hmm. more of a natural delivery than really anybody. Because even, even Norma Shear's performance is is a little – it's not that heightened uh, Rosalind Russell, like, fast-talking. But Norma Shear is very, like, melodramatic. Yeah. Yes, I think she's really good in this movie, though. Yeah, she is. Yeah, for sure. Um, Have you ever seen the the Norma Shear Marie Antoinette? I've always wanted to get to it. I've not. I've not. I need to watch it. That'll be on our list. Mm -hmm. But um, so we we get to. I mean, I guess they're meeting at Mary's before they go out to like a nightclub. Mm -hmm. She has them over for dinner. Yeah. Okay. And they're all going to go out to a nightclub, and she's just like, you know what? I'm going to skip it. I'm not going to go. Stay home. They all go to the nightclub. And little Mary kind of – does little Mary spill the beans? Or like how does she kind she of – She does. Yeah. She's kind of like, daddy's miserable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and and, uh, and Crystal has, um, you know, has Buck Winston on the mm-hmm. side. <laughs> Buck Winston. And, you know, that's another thing. The whole time, you know, you kind of – you hear names or in movies or introduce the characters or whatever. And I'm just kind of thinking, oh, okay, like we're going to meet Buck Winston and see like if he's this handsome guy or whatever. But it's like, no, we never meet <laughs> – we never hear <laughs> Buck Winston talk. He's a radio star. We find out that Buck Winston, um, you know, it has become a radio personality. He's famous now. And Crystal has kind of hitched her wagon to him you know, all this time. And so when Mary finds this out, she's like, okay, guess what? I'm going to the party after all. Wakes up the help mm-hmm. <laughs> who are living help. Yeah, oh, yeah. Apparently. And this is just for her too. Yeah. Well, I guess her and, and, and little Mary, I guess. Yeah. Wait, isn't the deal too that don't they also have another kid, but he's a boy. So we don't see him or is that just in the play? That may, I don't think that's in the uh, movie. Okay, I think that, that's probably in the play. I think she has a son that we never see. Um, but yeah, so she decides to go to the club. And then this final scene, this is all the ladies' room. This huge like, yeah. room that they're in. This like Mad Men-style apartment. I mean, this looks like Renee Zellweger's apartment from Down With Love. <laughs> totally, totally. Like that is the powder room. Yeah, those giant 
windows looking out over Manhattan or the city. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is this is the powder this is the ladies powder room at a nightclub and it's called like the rooftop casino or something or something like that. Yeah. Something casino. The casino was in there somewhere. Um and you know they're all coming in and out and Mary is waiting in the powder room so that she can ambush, you know, everybody. Uh, Chris, mm-hmm. Crystal in particular. And at this point, Crystal has fully become best Judy's with yes, Sylvia. With Sylvia. So, so like she sort of infiltrated herself to be the head bitch of this group. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I feel like the other girls don't really sh- show any loyalty to Crystal. No. But Nobody likes her. Yeah. But, um, you know, Sylvia's, Sylvia's there. But this whole last scene, it's kind of crazy and chaotic, and the woman who is the gossip colonist is played by Hedda Hopper, which is great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and another parallel to Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. This is your. This is our second it, Hedda Hopper appearance yeah. on the podcast. Second, yeah. And Hedda Hopper in Sunset Boulevard comes in at the very end mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. Is also a gossip columnist. <laughs> yep. I mean, she's playing herself in yeah. Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. In this, her name is like Dolly. Yes. Um, but it's I love her kind of. She comes in and is like, "Ugh, nothing's going on. I should just go. I should pack it up and go home." And Mary is like, "No, no, 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 no. Wait, <laughs> because it's about to go down." And she's like, "Shit's about to get real." Yeah. Shit's about to get real. Yeah, so she goes back out into the like into the party, or she or she sticks around or something. But um, they end up they like they throw Sylvia in like a closet, right? Because what they want to do is they want to get Crystal in there, let Crystal know that Sylvia is the one who's kind of dropped all the gossip, mm-hmm. yeah, and have them confront each other, yeah. And so Mary's big thing is that all she's really there to do is say like. I know that you're having an affair on uh, on Steven and she, I don't know I think she's just like she just wants to break them up. She she doesn't even really have any any of this info on Buck that we find out. She just is saying like I'm going to break up your marriage to my ex-husband. He's unhappy. Yeah. He doesn't love you anymore. Right. I want him back. And yeah, and she you know, we uh, we forgot the great line that she has when she gets ready to go out to this nightclub. Mm-hmm. The famous line. Of, <laughs> oh yes. Of I've had two years to grow claws. Jungle red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jungle red. <laughs> Jungle red. So great. And yeah. Yeah, and her so, she like she like lifts up her na- like her nails into like into frame before she says Jungle red. Um, yeah, so that so this is where they have this this showdown, and you know when she tells her like we know you've been we know you've been cheating on Stephen, so now he has enough to divorce you. Like no question, he can divorce you. It's like everybody knows it. It's out in the open, and she, and Joan Crawford's like, all right, well, who cares? Screw y'all. I got Buck, and he's rich. He's a big radio star, so. Me and him will, you know, right off into the sunset. The Countess is losing her mind at yeah, this point. On the floor. <laughs> l'amour, l'amour. <laughs> right. Losing her losing her shit because now and I guess there's like a whole off camera fight between 
Steven oh, and yeah. and Buck, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, happening. They're in- fully like throwing each other across the room at this party. Yeah. That's happening in the in the actual nightclub that we don't see. But when they're all there, you know, all the women are there, and, and even Sylvia has made her way out of the closet because uh, because Crystal's just like, how could you, you know, how could you like tell on me or whatever, expose me? But now Sylvia's gone back to like the good side because now she's with you know on Mary's side, and she's just like, oh well, we'll, you know, we've got enough, we've got enough, you know, dirt on you for Stephen to divorce to divorce you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because the last couple of shots. Sylvia and Miriam are like side by side. Yeah. And right. <laughs> they had this big feud earlier. And Miriam again in a hood. <laughs> right? Yeah, like full on that's the style that was the style call. And yeah. it's kind of nice that this movie does pit its women together, but they did end up being friends by the end of the movie. Yes. Um but when you know Crystal does tell everybody like, well, you guys can all go like suck an egg because me and buck are rich now so we don't need any of you um that's when the countess kind of reveals that no buck is not in fact rich she's got that money honey (laughs) she's been funding she's been funding all of his radio shows she bought the advertisers yep got them on the air yep which leads us to jones last line which (laughs) her mic drop at the end of this movie (laughs) on my <laughs> and it's so just like oh well yeah i guess that's it <laughs> like she can't be mad at th- she can't be mad at anybody she's just like shit shit <laughs> i appreciate that they didn't like tar and feather her at the end of it or completely humiliate her she she went out like she was leaving the main stage on drag race she kind of went out on her terms yep right well, girls, looks like it's back to the perfume counter for me. And by the way, there's a name for you ladies, but it isn't used in high society outside of a kennel. So long, ladies. And that's when Joan goes and writes the message in lipstick <laughs> on the mirror at the end. <laughs> Good yeah. use of shade rattle. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting that they have to use this, like, innuendo for, you know, for language. Yeah, you can't say bitches. Bitches. (laughs) But, um, okay, the very last shot of Mary just, like, running towards the camera with her arms out. Which I love. It's this grand shot in just a hallway. It's like, that's how you're going to end the movie. That's your last shot. It's just just a hallway. Yeah. And it's so it's so overly dramatic. It's so melodramatic. The arms out, just like rushing to to her man. And <laughs> we're not we're not really. Uh, I think um, who's the guy on TCM? Ben Mankiewicz. Ben Mankiewicz. Uh, we found a a clip on YouTube of Ben Mankiewicz introducing this movie. Um, you know, on Turner Classic Movies, and he said it's not really you know pushing the the women's movement. Very, very oh. forward with how this movie ends, but you know, for all intents and purposes, it's a happy ending. Yeah, for this time, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't remember how it ends in the, the remake. So I, I want to say that just Meg Ryan just gets her own fashion show at the end of it. 
Like, that's the thing about the remake that I think that there's high points about it. I think that when they do kind of more of the direct remake scenes of the women, it is a little more successful. It's like when Annette Bening mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Deborah Messing, who's the the one woman with all the kids, they're scoping out Ava Mendez, who's the Joan Crawford character. Like, that scene's pretty good, but I feel like it just doesn't know where to go in its last act. Because it's yes. like, we can't really do Reno, because that's not going to be a thing in 2008. So yeah. it's just like, it doesn't really know where to take its characters. Yeah, I totally agree. It just kind of fizzles out. Hmm. It just kind of... I I like the casting of Meg Ryan as the Norma Shear character. Like, Meg Ryan being America's sweetheart. Mm-hmm. That she's the woman that's been cheated on. So I like that. And Annette Benning is the Rosalind Russell character. Yes. Oh, fully. And that was, like, some of the best yeah. casting of... She's perfect for that. Yeah. It's interesting to see what they do with the lesbian character. Played by Jada Pinkett right. Smith. Right. Well, it seems like... They make they- her a little... I don't know. What bugs me about it is she's kind of lascivious. Mm. <laughs> she's over, over-sexed. It, it, it turns me off. Yeah. It seems like they kind of combine some characters or drop some characters. Like- I don't think that the, um, the Joan Fontaine character's in that one. No, I don't believe so. And Bette Midler is the Countess. Because I think that Meg Ryan meets her on, like, a women's retreat or something. She's like a um, Hollywood executive. Well, that and, one... Um, oh. Um, that, that movie, this the remake is is um, is available for rent. We couldn't find a streaming option. No, but that's so, one that goes on and off streaming, too. And yeah. I feel like that movie had been talked about for, like, ten years. Oh, longer. Before they got mm, making it. Like, it may have even changed directors. Like, Diane English probably just ended up with that movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably got, you know, passed around, you know. I'm sure that probably I, every single major Hollywood actress probably was considered for the major roles of that movie. Well, I remember in the 90s, like on Entertainment Tonight or something, they were talking to Whitney Houston, who was like... Oh, we're we're doing this. We're making this movie. Like it's going to be the women, and it's going to be an all black cast. And I was like, oh, that could be fun. And then it never happened. So I think it had a lot of starts and stops for a long time. Who would Whitney have played? I mean, if Whitney is spearheading it, she probably would have been the Mary character. Played Mary, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah man, this movie's um, it it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. There's there's a lot going on. There's like uh, you know, there's cat fights. There's like crazy like snappy dialogue. You know, the fashion show is out of control. And the rewatchability factor on this movie. I mean, I'm not super familiar with it, but I think that when you rewatch this movie, yeah. you just sort of notice little lines and jabs that you didn't quite notice the first time that you watched it. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes a little bit more endearing and. Um I found it to be, uh, you know, I found myself chuckling more. Yeah. yeah. While watching it. Yeah, it's I was... very... It's charming, you know? Yeah, for sure. I was definitely even noticing things when I was going back to pull clips that I kind of glossed over the first time you're watching it. And especially those early scenes in the movie, there is so much going on. Yeah. You know, characters talking over each other and talking really, really fast and saying, you know, these outdated 
turns of phrase. Um, and especially how this movie introduces itself. It just drops you in this universe. Yeah. Yeah. That you just sort of have to be like, oh, wait a minute. I have to, like, catch up, like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because so exactly. much is being thrown at you. Yeah. it's Yeah. I mean, even from the get-go with the um, the title credits. Yes. Yes. And the, and the silly little, like, here's the animal, the you know, animal <laughs> persona for each character. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And some of them you're like, okay, that makes sense. And then some of them you're like, what the why? Why? Um, but yeah, that's just such a charming little thing that movies back then did, but you couldn't do in a movie now because people would just overanalyze it, you know. Oh yeah. But it's just a fun little, fun little thing. Yeah, I mean, it, this is definitely, definitely a, a, a charming um, movie, and I think if you're not familiar with it, it's definitely worth, even if like older movies aren't your thing, I feel like it does kind of hold up to a modern audience because of, you know, it's, it's quickly paced. And, um, I mean, we did have the subtitles on because some of the dialogue is pretty quick and you just kind of want to keep up and we hadn't seen it, but Hey, that helps. I also think (laughs) for young gays that, aren't as familiar with Joan Crawford. Like you yeah. definitely have heard about Joan yeah. Crawford, but yeah. you haven't seen a lot of her old movies. Yeah. I think it's a good introduction to her. Yes. It's a great introduction. And then like, I would like, if I was to say, okay, here's Joan Crawford and you need to watch her films. You've never seen anything. I would start with the women. Mm-hmm. And then I would go, I would move into Mildred Pierce. I love Mildred Pierce. Yeah, for sure. We have to do Mildred Pierce and in the then, show yeah. eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Then finish off with all the crazies like Trog. And-, <laughs> mm-hmm. and this is right before her eyebrows went full, you know. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Total crazy. Yeah, yeah. Now, now there needs to be a modern gay version yes. of the women yeah. called the gays. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> we're going to have to write this screenplay. Hey. I think I think it's, it'll you know, yeah I think it'll work it'll translate for sure. But I like I just feel <laughs> like the affa- but like the affair <laughs> has like there has to be higher stakes than just an affair. <laughs> Though I don't know like what you would do. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I did see that there was a remake in the like the late fifties that was a musical. But, yeah, but it, was, I did see that. Too, was it a radio? Information on it. I saw a radio play that they no, adapted no, it, it was, into it was a, a radio movie. show. Okay, it was a full movie, but the thing about it was that it it was it's called the opposite sex, and it's a musical version, but all the male characters are in it. And nineteen fifty six. Yeah, and what I thought was interesting is that Leslie Nielsen from Airplane is in it. I mean, he was <laughs> like a Hollywood leading man at one time. Very handsome Leslie Nielsen mm-hmm. in his young, in his younger days. I have to say. <laughs> Yeah. There's even a, a Fassbender um, remake, really, from 1967 oh, that wow. he did for German television. Huh? German oh, wow. television. That, there you go. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> oh, and uh, in the opposite sex from 1956, the uh, Crystal Allen character is played by none other than Joan Collins. You'd probably <laughs> rather young Joan Collins at that time. Yeah, I yeah, I would say so. She would transform into Crystal. Yeah. Later in her I career. Mean, yeah, she later became Crystal. Be Crystal Carrington. <laughs> or was she Alexis? 
She was Alexis. She was Alexis. Yeah, Wait a minute, who's Crystal? Um, um, the blonde. Oh the blonde. Linda Evans? Linda Evans. Linda Evans. Yeah. <laughs> that Linda Evans haircut. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, does anybody have any uh, final thoughts to wrap up on the women before we say goodnight for the evening? Because this was a lot of fun. Um, it was lots of fun. I'm so glad that we were able to like rewatch it. And yeah. it's... It, it's just, you know, it's such a fun film. It's a good escapist movie for how bananas this week has been. <laughs> Completely. Yeah, that is for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, I think, yeah, I think we've made it to the end. Of I the think w- that does it. The women. Thank you so much, Dennis. Yeah, thank you so much. It was a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. That was fun. I'm yeah. really glad that we're getting to older Hollywood movies on the yes. show now. Yes. Because we just did Bride. We just did Bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. These movies are these movies are definitely worth like sitting down and rewatching if you're if you're not super familiar with them. So yeah, thank you so much again and hopefully we'll get to see you another time on the show. Yeah, definitely. Anytime. We'll have you on again. All right. Well, uh, we will see you later. We wish you, we bid you adieu, and um, we all still have our fingers crossed tonight. <laughs> but I think uh, I think we're in good standing <laughs> for the rest of the evening. I, I think so. Yeah. We're still at two sixty four. Two sixty four. Two sixty four. We've been at oh two sixty four all week. <laughs> when you posted on your Facebook, speaking of Joan, of that scene of Mommy Dearest where she was sitting. Uh, listening to the Oscars with Christina. <laughs> yes, I that hate this I, night. I hate this night. I hate this night. But just that, like, um, look of joy on Faye Dunaway's face. Yeah, why is every year it becomes a crisis? <laughs> oh man, but, you got uh, that right. All right, man. Well, we'll see you later. Bye. 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 Good night. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Yeah. This was a last-minute show that we whipped up. We threw it together, and I'm glad that we did it. Yeah, indeed. We wanted to stay on track for the week, even though it's been a crazy week. I felt like I just kind of needed to record this week to lift up my spirits a little bit, because I was in kind of a bummer mood on Monday. And if you are listening in the future, if you just decided to put this episode on years from now and you don't know what the hell we're talking about check the check the air date of this one (laughs) and then you'll be reminded yeah you'll 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 quickly remember what we're talking about but thanks for listening everybody we would love it if you would rate and review us on apple Podcasts. yes do it please give us five stars please write us a good review we'll read it on the air we'll read it on the air and um you can find us on instagram and facebook at movies that made us gay and you can find us on twitter at MTMUG Pod on Twitter. Yes, indeed. You can find Scott on Instagram at Scott Youngballer. You can find me on Instagram at Peter Lasagna. You can also find me on Letterbox at Scott Youngbauer if you search me. I'm on Letterbox. Yes, indeed. I'm not on Letterbox yet, but hey, you never know. Maybe I'll jump on there. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.